To go back to the big picture, Genesis chapter 1 to chapter 11 presents the problem, which was sin. For the Jews, it's just the origins, how it all started. But for the Christian perspective, it's not only the beginnings, but also the problem. Genesis 1 up to chapter 11 shows us the condition of man. His mind is continuously sinful. It is sinful. But chapter 12 was the beginning of God's long-term answer to the problem, which was the call of Abraham, and then the call of Isaac, and then Jacob. He would take care of a family that would become a nation that he would nurture, and he would bring down his laws to them one day, laws that would be so impossible to fulfill that man can only acknowledge that he is a sinner. But that nation must be nurtured, a nation where Messiah, Jesus Christ, would be born, son of David, son of a king, in the line of Abraham, and Messiah, when Messiah was born, he died for us and rose again from the dead. And before he left, he gave this charge to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, of all ethne, very parallel to Abraham's call, which was, you shall be blessed and you shall be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And prior to that, chapter 11, we know that the nations were scattered. The people were scattered, given different languages, and God still sought to bless these nations that were scattered. Different languages spread out all over the world. So the plan of God was, through Christ, the blessing of Abraham would be fulfilled, that all languages, all ethne, all nations, all people groups would come to know him. It is the blessing of Christ. And we are still in that period where the body of Christ has spread from Jerusalem throughout the ages all over the world and now has reached us, but the job is not yet done. But the good news is, if you look at the back of the book in Revelations, and it says there in chapter 4 that every tongue, tribe, and nations will be worshiping him, meaning we will succeed. But the mission is quite clear. Now, as we study these families, like Jacob and his family, these are micro-stories within the grand plan of God. We can learn from these, but these can only be studied within the context of the plan of God. We cannot isolate these. The same way each one of us has a role. God has a plan for your life and your family, as this family had a role to fulfill in blessing the nations of the world in making disciples of all nations. We all are part of God's plan. Can you say to your seatmate, God has a plan for you? And your other seatmate, God has a plan for you also. But as we study these stories, there is much wisdom to be learned. I'm not sure about you, but I've been enjoying studying Genesis and preaching Genesis. It's more than a year already. We're still in Genesis. <laughs> yes, more than a, a year and a half, I guess. But it has enriched my life as I restudied it. And I've heard testimonies from you saying you really enjoyed understanding the whole book, having a grasp, a deeper grasp 
of what the story is and the things we can learn. And as we have observed, these people in the Bible are not perfect like you and me. Amen? You see, God can choose you and use you despite your imperfection. And that goes for Abraham, that goes for Isaac, that goes especially Jacob, you know, very colorful man. And, uh, but not always a happy life, significant in the life and, and nation of Israel, significant in, in the kingdom of God. But we saw that God still used him because he had to take care of his tribe, his family. And uh, his very life will be the basis of many decisions in Israel even today. Remember the last story? Shechem, the prince of Shechem, raped their sister. And Simeon and Levi killed every man during the pain of circumcision. Recently, one Israeli soldier was murdered. And Israel responded with bombs. You understand where that comes from? That comes from Simeon and Levi, right? <laughs> but... In a Christian perspective, as Christ came, we are taught to forgive. We are taught to forgive, to be as Christ-like. Please, some Christians tend to make themselves spiritual Israelites too much. There is a boundary to the parallelism, right? Sometimes tend to take everything and say, it's everything's applicable to me. No, not everything is applicable to you. If you think it is, then do not eat dinuguan anymore, all right? If you try to spiritualize everything in parallel. Uh, no, it does not. But we can learn. Now, after this tragic event of the death of Dinah, then Jacob heard God's voice. Wow, at last, he's going to Bethel. You see, when he left the house of Isaac in distress, because his mother said, your brother plans to kill you, therefore you must flee. You must go. And, uh, and he went away a poor boy, a rich boy leaving his house a poor boy, and he didn't even have a pillow. He used a rock for a pillow, and then God appeared to him in a dream, and that's where Luz was, also known as Bethel. He named it Bethel. Originally, it was named Luz, L-U-Z. Bethel, meaning house of God. And in Bethel, he said to the Lord, I will come back. I will pay, a, pay my Jews. He was to pay a tithe. But you see, 30 years, after 30 years, he's now going to Bethel. 20 years in the house of Laban. Then in, Israel, in Canaan, I mean, in Canaan, spent there 10 years before he thought of going there. You see, Jacob... Somehow, a lot has changed already, but a lot has still has to change. He's right now a, not a full deceiver, right? Because he deceived his father, and what he sowed, he reaped by being in the house of Laban, was, who was ten times a deceiver he was. But God gave him wisdom on how to deal with the deceiver and come out rich out of that. So somehow, maybe, perhaps he learned his lesson but when his brother said, uh, I'll leave you some escorts, uh, some of my soldiers, I'm paraphrasing, some of my soldiers can escort you, and said, no, brother, I have 
I have cattle and I have animals. They need to rest. I'll follow. You see, Esau was in Seir. Jacob said he'd follow. That would be now 10 years, and he hasn't followed yet. But he didn't lie because he would go there. Like I said, he wasn't a total deceiver anymore. Yet still somehow, you uh, would say, why, Jacob? Why didn't you just say you'll follow after 10 years? Why deceiving, saying? And so he was, I can imagine Esau, oh, my brother's coming. You know, no, I killed a fatted calf, and, and let's celebrate. And his, 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 his lieutenant would say, boss, don't think your brother's coming. I think, I think he deceived you once again. <laughs> oh, it's not in the Bible. It's just my wild imagination, okay? <laughs> I just want to be clear what's in the Bible and what, what I just imagined because God gave, you know, the Bible isn't as detailed. But we are perhaps, maybe when I see uh, Jacob and Esau, what really happened, dude? Tell me. So maybe I'll talk to them. Um, but here was Jacob going to Bethel where he first encountered God, the God of Abraham, Isaac. God revealed himself in a dream there. And in that dream, Jacob saw a stairway from the earth reaching heaven where the angels of the Lord ascended and descended. And God was at the top of the stairway. Well, let us review what God said in Genesis 28, verses 13 to 15. God said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. It was repeated. The calling of Abraham was repeated to Jacob. What's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised. So God revealed to him that he was his protector. I'm your protector because I have a plan for you. So remember what we mentioned before, why are you still alive? Of all people, why are we still alive? I do believe because God has a plan for our lives still. As long as we breathe, as long as we walk, as long as we can talk, as long as we have presence of mind, I do believe God has a plan for each of us. And the best thing to do is to seek God and say, what is your plan for me? What is your plan for my family? Lord, reveal it to us. Because God's plan is always a good plan. And this Jacob should have been dead so many times. Huh? Esau, Laban, after Shechem. Oh, he could have died so many times, but he's still alive. You're alive. Amen. And as long as you can still climb those stairs, God has a plan for you. Amen? <laughs> okay. Well, Jacob's life and family is part of God's grand design to bless all the families that were scattered. 
God would nurture this family and grow it to become the nation of Israel where the Messiah would one day be born. I have to keep repeating that, all right? So we have a macro perspective of Genesis, not just the micro, you know? Oh, how come this happened? How come that? And as we mentioned, we learn from this. We can learn from what the Bible says. Genesis chapters 1 to 11 clearly shows us the problem, which is sin. Therefore, the Son of God, the one who would pay for the penalty of our sin, take note, Jesus paid the penalty of our sin. Oh, God is good. Ah, the penalty. But the consequence is still yours. You understand? There's a difference. The penalty of sin is eternal damnation. He paid for that. But if you commit something, like, uh, like my brother shared to me, he's so concerned with, with our brothers and sisters who still smoke because he used to be a very heavy smoker. Right, Elder Tony? And he stopped for a long time already. But then when he had his checkup, doctors still saw some traces of the effect. And he was asked, did you smoke? And he said, yes, long time ago. Oh, but it's, the effect's still here. You see, whatever sin you committed, brother, he has forgiven you. I'm not saying smoking is a sin. I didn't, I didn't see that in the Bible, but it affects your body, and it's best to take care of our bodies. It's not advisable. So the consequence will always be there in what we do. We don't take care of our health, and then we get sick, and we pray, Lord, heal me. God is sometimes so good that sometimes He still heals us. Amen? But sometimes we are so stubborn after the healing, what do we go? What do we do? We go back to the fast food, right? We go back to the chips. We go back to the processed foods. They never take care. We go back to sitting down and never exercising. And we always say, I'm busy. God is a good God. Sometimes He would heal you. But there will come a time he will allow the consequence to take place in you. You know, remember what, what New Testament said. God is not mocked. What you sow, you shall reap. It's only in his grace that he delivers us from the mistakes we've done. Isn't God good? But then God's goodness should teach us to stay away from sin. That's, that's what Romans said. The grace of God is there, not so that we will continue to sin, Oh, God is forgiving? Yes, but remember there are consequences to sin. Like this guy Shechem. He thought he was the big guy, the gangster, the prince of the land, of his place. And he thought he can outwit the sons of Jacob. He grabbed Dina or Dinah. And then after that, asked her to be married and then said, said why don't we become one people? Who? That's not the plan of God. Let's become one people and they're the kings and the prince of the land. And, 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 and uh, let's agree, uh, Shechem and, and Hamor talked to the elders of the land and said, why don't we agree with them to be circumcised? Because you know what? Whatever they have will be ours anyway. Since they were the prince and the king of the land, they thought they could outwit the sons of Jacob. The sons of Jacob, well, they saw how the Jacob, their father, outwitted Laban. You think they won't learn a thing? Maybe Simeon and Levi already read, he's trying to own us. He's trying to own us. Maybe they thought, huh, let's see. Let's go back to the story. So Jacob heard God say, go to Bethel, the house of God. So Jacob instructed his people 
to purify themselves, remove all foreign gods, and anything resembling idolatry. Anything. No image of so-called gods is allowed to remain. This is directed to his immediate family and to his workers and captives. And Jacob buried all these. Idolatry should not exist in the possessions of God's people. However, why would Jacob get so close to Shechem knowing that they can influence them with idolatry? Why did he not follow the example of Abraham to be at a safe distance? That's just one question I could give. Just one. But now because they got captives from Shechem, perhaps some wives, some servants, some children now belonging to him as captives, he had to instruct everybody, not just his family, everybody. No idolatry. No image. You know, some still justify it. Pastor Ed, it's just a reminder. That picture in my house is just a reminder to remind me of God. Hey, you want to talk to me? As a person, right? If you want to talk to me, what do you do? You may call me on my phone. Or you can visit me, right? Please don't talk to my picture. <laughs> oh, I had a, a picture of Pastor Ed. Pastor Ed, I really want to say something to you. <laughs> you know, one time you preached, and I felt bad, you know. And, uh, and I felt like you were trying to, you know, really attack me there. And uh, uh, I just want to know. That's why I don't attend church anymore. <laughs> why talk to a picture? Jesus said, come to me. The Bible said, confess your sins and he will forgive you. Do you need a picture? What if the divine being, God, the creator of the world, suddenly says, that's not my picture? Uh, I'm just humanizing. Of course, he won't do that, I guess. But no form of idolatry. So we're going to Bethel. Everybody remove anything that is idolatrous. Nothing should be there. Nothing. I don't know about the earrings. Maybe there's a, you know, a big statue that's attached to the, to the ear, you know, dangling, yeah, life-size, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine that's to his family and everybody who were with him, with him. Next point, when they journeyed to Bethel, the people of the land feared them. One reason, probably, is a result of the slaughter that Simeon and Levi did against Shechem and his people. Of course, Jacob was afraid they might unite and gang up against us. But remember that God said to him, I will protect you. Because God has a plan for them. But that didn't happen. The result was the opposite. Oh, is that the group who slaughtered the other city? Yeah, he's pa they're passing by. Oh, everybody close your, close your doors and don't engage them in any way. So the result was more of an indifference. They were afraid. Um, another reason, perhaps, maybe God's put the fear of him in their hearts. Like what he did to Laban, right? When Laban pursued Jacob and caught up with he had a dream. And God said, don't you say anything nice or anything evil to him. Nothing evil, meaning do not threaten him. Nothing nice so that you don't deceive him and bring him back. Nothing nice. They have to go where they have to go. 
So perhaps God put his fear upon their heart. If you have people with bad intentions against you, you go to God, right? And you just pray, Lord, lay your terror upon their hearts. That's how to pray, amen? Make them nervous and shiver. Uh, but you don't have to kill a whole tribe to do, make that happen. You just have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I look to you. You are my protector. Yet, even though God is our protector, we must be wise, right? Remember the discussion last Sunday? Because of sin that came into the world, all of us can be victims of the sin that's happening around us. Yes, true, God is a protect, our protector, but we must be wise as serpents, gentle as doves. I send you a sheep among wolves. They're still wolves. You're still sheep. And please be wise as serpents. Some people, when they became Christians, they spiritualize everything. Sister, it's late at night. You should be going home. Pastor, God is my protector. <laughs> Doesn't matter if I stay late. God will protect me. Yeah, but it's better to go with bodyguards. Dinah went to visit the ladies of the land. Perhaps she tried to get away from her strict brothers, right? Strict brothers. Yeah. Tried to get away and was curious or whatever. It's always safe to have protection. Girls, don't be so curious. It's not as special as you think. Don't be that curious. Now, when he was there in Bethel, God repeated the blessing of the change of name. Remember? When he wrestled with God, he, his name was changed. The blessing was, you're now Israel. But this one, there's something different here. There was an additional instruction. Your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob. After this, no longer, but Israel shall be your name. So he can no longer be addressed as Jacob. He can be addressed now as Israel. Then God commanded Israel to be fruitful and multiply. The text shows us several deaths as well. Deborah, Rebecca's nurse. Rebecca is who? The mother of, of Israel. Okay, Rebecca's nurse. A beloved wife, Rachel. And some believe because Jacob pronounces a curse that whoever, whoever stole uh, the, the possessions of Laban would die. And she did die in childbirth. Some connect that. Some say it's not really connected. And it's also recorded the death of Isaac. But Jacob had time to reconnect with his father. J Isaac died at 180 and they probably met around when Jacob was, when Isaac was 168. So they had a good 12 years to reconnect. And then uh, there were deaths. Deborah, Rachel, Isaac, deaths. And we discussed this before. It's really hard to lose somebody. I have lost a sister at a young age. And that's the hardest to accept when they are young and they go. It's very hard to accept. Recently in the news, a seven-year-old in Karamuan died of a jellyfish attack. And it's just sad when a young person has to leave. It's already sad when you know somebody is about to go because they're advanced in years, and you still feel sad. 
because they left even though everybody's prepared it's time for them to go but still there's that part of you that's going to miss them death is not easy to deal with so friends when somebody's going through a grievance period let them grieve don't be in a hurry to cheer them up there's a time to cheer them up sometimes all they need is company but not cheer Sometimes they all want is neutrality. Just, just talk about anything. Just be with somebody. So to divert the mind, the grief. Let them grieve. But when it's time to cheer them up, you just tell me, hey, I'm here. If you want me to be quiet, I'll be quiet. If you just want company, sure. We'll have lunch, dinner together, whatever. But if you feel you want to, take a step. And thank God for the situation and move on. Let me know as well. Because we need to get your life back together. We need friends like that. Hey, no one's exempt, right? Death comes for us all. You, me, everybody in this room, our loved ones. Nobody can know when we will die. Only God knows. Only God knows. It could be tomorrow. It could be the next day. And friends, if it's your time, it's your time. Do you know? Do you accept that? And some people die in the strangest ways. Let me share to you some strange deaths. Love to death. It's rare that a politician is loved to death. Especially nowadays. Do you know any beloved politicians that so love to death? But there was a time when it did happen. You know Draco? He's not Dracula. He's, it's a real name. It was first recorded, he was a legislator of, the, of Athens back in 600 BC. And he was incredibly well-liked, even though his laws were intensely harsh. Thus the term draconian, policies that are harsh. Yet he was loved. On one trip to a theater, Thousands of citizens were so thrilled to see him. They began throwing gifts. They kept throwing cloaks and hats, and they wouldn't stop. Even as the gifts began to pile up, the cloaks covered his body to the point where he could not even breathe. Before long, he had been completely smothered by the gifts and died. <laughs> it just goes to show that even being nice to politicians in ancient Greece can end badly. So be careful. You could be literally loved to death. If it's your time, it's your time, right? Well, that's a good way to go, right? They love me. <laughs> be careful. A deodorant can kill. When you're a teen, body odor is pretty serious problem, right? It, you know, and those hormones change, and then, and then, and then suddenly you have this, this animal smell in you, right? <laughs> that your mother now begins to complain. Before, your mother just loves to hug you. Now she chooses when to hug you. Oh, take a bath first, and then we'll hug. Uh, there's a 16-year-old boy in Foxstone, England had become obsessed with smelling good and was hoarding spray-on deodorant for that purpose. 
he died of too much deodorant. Was that harmless? And this is ironic. Rebecca Berger, 33, he was a, she was a, a writer, a blogger of fitness. Fitness. She took care of herself. She died of an exploding whipped cream container. Boom. Hit her chest. She died. I mean, she didn't die of disease. She didn't die of diabetes. She didn't die of high blood pressure. She was taking care of her body. Oh, don't let this be an excuse for some of you who don't want to exercise, all right? If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. <laughs> What's the point of jogging if I die with a whipped cream container? <laughs> uh, this is ironic. 1911, a guy named Bobby Leach was known for the daredevil and his daredevil antics. His famous stunt was what? Staying in a container and being thrown in a barrel, I mean in a barrel, and being thrown down Niagara Falls. 180 feet, he survived. He became so popular that he went on tour speaking. And in one place, he slipped and he fell around four to six feet and he died. So this guy would survive 180 feet but would not survive a four to six feet fall. When it's time, it's time. So I tell you, let us not be like Jacob who wasted his time, I don't know why, making his hip heal after the wrestling for 10 years or increasing his wealth. He was already wealthy, still increasing his wealth, trading in Shechem for 10 years, unspiritual, nothing related to his call, not related to going back to Bethel or what. As he promised, he would tithe in Bethel. He delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. Maybe he became so rich and he's computing. Tithe of what I own? That's too much. Lord, next time. Lord, next time. Lord, next time. We, we don't know when we will live, how long we will live. So please don't say you're so busy that you cannot serve God. Don't say you're so busy that you cannot share the gospel. You're so busy you cannot learn the Bible, therefore you cannot teach it to others. You're so busy helping out in one way or another. But who knows, maybe tomorrow you are gone and you will face judgment and God will ask you, what have you done? Because the rewards will, will be given according to what we have done. According to what we have done, faith saves everybody. By grace, you are saved through faith. But rewards are given according to what we have done. What if you've done nothing? What if you just like Jacob, just hanging in there, working, trading, and that's all you do? Without learnings of God. There may be deaths, but there's also new birth. In the text was also the birth of Benjamin. Deaths may happen, but new life can come. Let me close. One, let us let go of any idol or any form of idol in your heart, mind, and body, and house. And house. Be pure in heart. This is for us and for the whole family. Two, you no longer represent yourself. 
You now bear the name of Christ. Live as a disciple of Christ. The name that matters now is not Ed. <laughs> the name that matters now is Christ that I preach. That is the only name that matters. The name GCF doesn't even matter. Nothing matters. Your last name doesn't matter. What really matters now is Christ, and he must be named in all the nations. Amen. Don't you know who I am? Frankly, we don't care. Everybody here serves. We don't care who you are. We don't care if you're rich, you're a professional, you're a doctor's degree. Everybody here can sweep the floor. Everybody here can, can do something. Everybody here is a servant of Christ. We don't nominate elders who just love to be high and mighty. Go home where you belong. We want to see those who serve, who surrender their time to the Lord and say, Lord, this is for you. Time is short. We must serve. So let me change. Let's say, enjoy life for life may be short. Huh? Eat. What do you, what do you say? Eat. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. The shallowest of lines. Sure, eat, drink, be merry if you want, but serve the Lord. For tomorrow you might die. All right? We are part of God's grand design. Our families are part of God's plan to bless the nations of the Lord. Let us fulfill that by blessing one family at a time. Hey, you bless your own family. Pray. Meet others. Try to bless their family. It's not only the person you know, their parents as well. It's not only them, their children as well. We find ways to bless one another with our fellowship, with our company, with our giving, with our time. We must bless one another. And remember, we don't live forever. Death comes to us all. Therefore, let us live as if it is the last day of your life. And I hope it's not eat, drink, and be merry. Oh, you can do that too. Joy of the Lord and everything. But write somebody. Somebody's far away. Write an email about your testimony. Share Jesus. Don't hide. Don't be a secret agent Christian, forever secret agent. At one time, you have to reveal. Sometimes I connect with businessmen. I don't reveal myself as a pastor immediately. Later. But I cannot be secret agent forever, right? After I win their trust. After we trust, they know me as a, as a, a hopefully a good person. We connect with each other. I display whatever Christian character I've learned. But once they see I, they can trust me, I share to them the gospel of Christ. And most of the time, some of you are already here. Life is short. Ten years is short. Do you know that 40 years is short? You think 40 years is too far ahead? It's just like five years from now. Oh, that's so long. No, 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 no. Look five years ago. Seems short, right? <laughs> Don't think 20 years is long. It's short. Every minute counts. Every second counts. Let us all rise and let us pray. Father, thank you for your grace and for your goodness. And we pray for your blessing of peace and blessing for everyone. Teach us, Lord, these principles. 
to put you first, to put the spiritual things of God first all the time. Teach us also to know that we represent your name now, not our name. Our names don't matter anymore. Your name does. And your name must be known more than our name. And Lord, as we encounter deaths around us, there is new birth. There is new birth in Christ. There is new birth in families. So we thank you for the new birth, the new beginnings as well. Father, we praise, honor, and thank you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. May peace, blessing, abundance, protection, opportunity to serve follow you all the days of your life. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you and good day.